This week on the Podland Trailcasters. Our boy couldn't, he couldn't survive over here. It's Pacific Northwest heat. It's a different oh. heat. It's a different heat, baby. Speaking of external and internal forces, you over there wearing a Star Wars shirt, bro? I will go lo- full lobster. I'll go right past my, my Hawaiian heritage and go full lobster. That's really where I kind of want to move this next. And Chris, I know this is a bit more of the intangible direction. Hold, hold that thought before you answer. Cool. Question. I You're good. Real quick. America, right? It's like shorts and a tank top and sunburns, right? There's a reason that the... I just, oh, these little things, man. They, they, journalism 101. And, anyway, stupid. Hey, he's that over in Baran. That's completely different. different okay, that's, uh, that's, not, that's not Pacific Northwest heat, Keith. I can't believe we both missed that for our uh, love hugs and hate mail. It's LeBron at that line. That's just so dumb. Uh, anyway. You would have found a way to connect LeBron to Kyrie, and then we would have had to go <laughs> You need to watch some American Gladiator. Remember they used to hit, hit each other with those giant Q-tips and try to knock each other off the pedestals? You need to, you need to work on that, that lower base squat, squat position. Stay on that pedestal. Don't let me knock you off so easily. Hello, Rip City. To all of you in town and out of town and in every corner of the interwebs, thank you for tuning in. Here with you from Hood River, my name is Keith Feltner-Smith, and here with me, as always, the on-time Hawaiian, the master of segues, Mr. Professional, Christopher Joseph Burkhart. How you doing, sir? I'm on time. You are Over on time. here, trying not to <laughs> melt. Man, what a doozy of a day it's been. Yeah, it's, it's been hot. It's a hottie. It's been crazy. Although, uh, shout out to Alkabi on our Discord. Hey. He's talking about uh, something that was like basically 120 degrees Fahrenheit over uh, in, in, in the Middle East. And that is. Hey, he's over hot, in Baran. That's completely different. Different okay, kind of that's heat. A, <laughs> that's, <count. laughs> not pa- that's not Pacific Northwest heat, Keith. Keith, come on. The heat here is a much different heat. The, 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 the Middle Eastern heat, it's nothing. Absolutely it's nothing. nothing. <laughs> Shots fired. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know how. I don't know how. Honestly, I don't know how you survive in the Middle East or some people in a hotter climate like a Phoenix or or Vegas and Phoenix with too, yeah. with the with the attire that they wear to acclimate. Because you look at like the Middle East, most of them wear like long garbs, right? Cover the legs. Right. Cover the protect the skin. Like, like people don't think about that. It's like the America, right? It's like shorts and a tank top and sunburns, right? There's a reason that the that the Middle Eastern people aren't sunburned. They're smart enough to protect their skin. Me, I just don't think I could do it because I would be sweating like a mother. Right. Like I just can't do. It. My body is not acclimated to layering to protect the skin. That's where the island side comes in because I've been out in the sun the last two weekends. And as you can, as you can tell, I'm nice and brown right now and I love it. I, I love it, but. Ooh. I, I was, oh. I was going to say, uh, you you sent a picture uh, out on social of a beautiful sunset uh, up on, from your uh, off-grid vacation. And I was thinking back to last weekend or last week's episode when you got in a bunch of sun and the bully Burkhart came out and, and kind of bowled his way around the china shop a bit. I was going to ask you, Chris, how much sun did you get this weekend? I was outside both days, baby. Refresh and oh, recharge. Yes. Refresh and, and like charge, I said, yeah. unlike, un, un, unlike the unlike the the people who are smarter than me, uh, who, who like I said, they layer up a little bit to protect the skin. 
I just I just let the skin bake, baby. Get it nice and toasty, and uh, I, I I like it. But like I said, uh, our, our our boy couldn't he couldn't survive over here. It's Pacific Northwest heat. It's a oh. different heat, baby. It's a different heat, baby. Just yeah, like just like, you just, like just like just like you know just like friend of, friend of the show uh, Evan M. You know, it's, oh gosh, this NOLA humidity and blah. Nope, it's different. That's not Pacific Northwest heat. <laughs> well, he's actually lived in both. He lived here in Portland. And you obviously like all know ago. I'm he joking knows. because yeah. Pacific Northwest heat is absolutely nothing and we're a bunch no. of babies who complain about the rain 90% of the, the year and then when it is sunny it's like oh my god it's just like way too hot like, you, I, you I know I, people you and I would melt like the Wicked Witch if we were over in the Middle East over in Bahrain with uh, with Alkavi over there That's I, I cannot fathom the idea of being out I would on not the, melt like pushing a pickup truck up a road in 120 degrees, man. Like now I lived that would in suck. Phoenix for a decade. I, I lived in the dry heat down in Phoenix, and I, like you said, you can acclimate to it. And you, there is a point when you're living down there well enough, you you go back to wearing jeans, you go back to wearing long yeah. sleeves, because yeah, you're protected from the heat. I'm much more like you said. I prefer having my skin baking out there. I want to be sitting in the pool <laughs> or being able to like dive in the water uh, and just cooking myself. That's where there. I go. That's where I go. Like I said the family yeah. has the lake house as the as I posted that picture, and that's where I'm. I'm a fish. I don't leave, I don't leave the water. <laughs> yeah. So if I was I was if I was in. Uh, Bahrain there, and I'm probably butchering that. I apologize, but uh, if I were there and I, I didn't right. have water to swim in, I'm pretty sure it's coastal. But it's a little island, like it's hey, an island, I, yes. I, yeah. I was gonna say it's coastal, so I'd have water to swim in. If I got water <laughs> to swim in, I'm good. Which is also worse, right? Because then the way the rays reflect right. the water and get to uh, so then I'm just I'm layered up on I'm layered up on sunscreen then because I will I will go lo- full lobster. I'll go right past my my Hawaiian heritage and go full lobster. <laughs> yeah, I, I've. I've been pretty lucky. I feel like I've been pretty... I've learned my lesson when I was younger in San Diego, and I'm pretty good these days about short doses of exposure. Like, even today, got Q out to the river. Got, uh, we, we have, like, Hood River itself is ice runoff, so Q had a nice, like, refreshing ice bath before coming back here to nap behind me while we podcast. And, you know, I, I feel like even then, I'm pretty good about, like, okay, I've been facing the river for a while. I need to start standing like this now. Start start turning. <laughs> just kind of, like, rotate so you can gonna, uh, keep it spaced out. And, of course, like you said... Uh, always wear your sunscreen. That is important. You know what else is important, Chris? Hmm. Love, hugs, and hate mail. Our internationally oh. renowned, world famous, uh, world class segment, really, uh, is is what this is right here. But each week we've got our love. We've got hugs that can go one way or the other, and usually we've got some hate mail to go as well. Normally, you start us off. I think I kind of want to kind of. T- I'm going to take the reins here, though. And my, my love uh, is coming out first of the week. My love is going to the WNBA. They have announced that they are stepping it up next season. They are giving charter flights for teams and also bumping the season up to a 40-game schedule. The, this is big. This, these are big moves for the WNBA. And you and I, Chris, talked last week about some people still haven't caught on. They're not taking this league seriously. Like, oh, it's, it's under the rim. They're not dunking enough. Or, oh, girls can't play basketball, all the dumb stuff. And... Again, like making these moves, this shows the league is gaining momentum, gaining popularity, gaining ground, and it's it's uh, getting that much closer to being on you know just considered I think a level level product. Well, they need to expand and they need to do it now. Like there mm, there there is yeah a, that's what we're talking about last week. There is a thirst for the WNBA in cities that it would thrive in. Um, even though, again, even though it didn't work in Portland the first time around, you can't tell me with the success that the the Thorns have have it's here different. in a different city 20, 30 years later that it wouldn't sustain WNBA right now. It's a different league too, so it would sustain it. It's the same argument I have for the Vancouver Grizzlies and the WNBA or uh, in the NBA. Like they 
that was the wrong place at the wrong time. Like the the wrong city time. of Vancouver yeah, totally. wasn't ready for the NBA. Right now, it could sustain the NBA. No, but no problem. No questions asked. So WNBA, kudos to you. Charter flights, all that stuff. It's all good. But do some more. Do a little bit more. I, I'm going to be greedy here. I'm going to I'm going to be greedy okay. because yeah, we yeah. I think more. Add a couple more teams, get some more markets, get some more eyes on it, because the WNBA is a, is it's a good product right now, and I think it can be even better. And I did tweet about this a while back. People don't people were getting upset about the WNBA not having charter flights and having to fly commercial and this and that. And the thing is, like, that's how it was for the longest time in the NBA too, until the Detroit Pistons put together their dynasty and were the first team to have their own chartered plane. And then once they had one. Pistons yeah, the were? Pistons were, and once that. they had a char- once they had their own chartered plane, and then the other teams were like, "Oh, we got to charter our own flights and this and that." And that's where Paul Allen came in, and had the, and the Blazers. Paul Allen, yeah, I knew he know, was early. When, when other teams were chartering their own flights, like the Blazers had their own plane, and it was fancy, and and so it's like, you know, it only <laughs> takes one, and the WNBA, you know, right, right. So it's great, it's great. I'm just selfishly want the Portland Fire back, so I'm not going to be entirely happy with the WNBA until I get the Portland Fire back. And that's no, it's it's going the right direction. But I'm with you. Yeah, keep pushing. But I'm telling you, that's just pure pure selfishness. All right. Well, if if you're not giving your love to the WNBA, then where is your love going? Oh, my love is a sarcastic love. My love is going to. uh, My love is going to Twitter during NBA Summer League because the takes on this app. (laughs) <laughs> and what people see during these games, it just absolutely cracks me up. And I want you to, I, I, I want to go back to last episode. And what did I say? More than once was like, remember y'all, it's summer league. It's summer league. Like you're going to be able to take some things away, but at the end of the day, it's summer league. And already like, oh my God, Jabari Walker might be the steal of the draft. And he's probably going to, Jabari he, the yeah, goat. going to make the rotation. And this is like, guys, like, I'm not saying you're wrong because you never know what's going to happen with these guys. But it's not impossible. It's summer League. It's yeah. Summer League. <laughs> when he's locking down guys defensively, he's doing it against guys who are fringe G League players. Like, you have to understand. Like, where, where, like so, so not every play is created the same. If you get, when you have, when you have Orlando play in Houston and you have a ton of Benchero versus uh, Jab- uh, Jabari Smith, like, that's something you can take away but yeah old old j-dub he's good he's good and we're going to talk more about him i'm sure uh but again oh yeah uh, the summer league takes man there are legit people who are watching the games and, and saying the right things as to what they're seeing out of these guys uh, shout out uh dan morang who's hey. down there talking about how you know the way jabari moves left to right and his, his lateral quickness and the way he's able to close space and those are the things you can take away from it but you know Everyone, I, there was one play, I think, of the first game where he, he had a blocked shot, and it was like, guys, like, there was a foul called, and then he still, like, blocked it, and, like, it was cool, but it was, like, Twitter act like it was the greatest block in NBA history. I'm like, <laughs> pump the brakes a little bit. Just give him the MVP pump, pump now! The that being said, I'm, I'm, I, I do love what I'm seeing out of him. It's what Summer League's all, I, like, I, I know I, I joke about it, and I, I'm picking on people, but it's kind of what Summer League's about. It's, that, it's, it's, and it's things that I pick on you for all the time, but that's fandom in a nutshell. That is fandom is getting, get, yeah, getting, getting excited. excited and get again, getting out over your skis a little bit and just like, ah, this is the coolest thing ever just because you're having fun. And I love it. So that's why my love the, the, is going the, to Twitter during summer league. Cause it's fun, dude. Fans are living their best life. The, the trick with fandom is just not letting uh, your, your 
uh, not letting the getting over your skis, not letting the excitement turn concrete. You got to be flexible. Like you can let it get excited. And then when, you know, let's say a player gets injured after five minutes of play who you were supposed to be like essentially watching the entire summer league for, you got to be able to shift your uh, happiness to somewhere else. We will get into summer league more and Jabari and sharp and all the rest of that uh, in a bit. But honestly, Chris, your, your level there almost sounded uh, like it was, it was, it was about the Twitter coverage for the summer league. And I just want to point out to fans, if, if you agree with Chris, as far as, People in their crazy takes on Twitter, if it's just too much for you, come and join the Discord. We've got more of a privatized forum of social media. It's oh, not really well, private. no, it's I love our all. Discord, but our Discord, our Discord is... is we got hot yeah, takes in the there. Discord is not free <laughs> from this this criticism as well. It's uh, Hey, no, that, that's, that's, not, that's not how I'm general. pitching this sale right now. But yeah, it, either way, whether you like the hot takes or whether you want uh, to get away from the Twitter toxicity, come and join the Discord. Link is in the episode description. Next up, I've got my hugs. I'm sending my hugs to Nasir Little. Nas tweeted out the other day that he is honored to be a representative of the NBPA, the uh, National Basketball Players Association. And this is awesome news. We previously have had uh, Blazers legend CJ McCollum involved as the VP of the NBPA. So to see Nas get involved, uh, you, you love to see it. Love to see him kind of taking in, uh, taking in the, uh, the business side, everything off the court that, that comes with it. Uh, the reason I send this hug to Nas, not just love for, for his step into this, is I feel like there, there are some pitfalls here. I feel like this can become a thing where, you know, it's, if, if, if the NBPA is not doing things well, or if he's supposed to be representative, and maybe players aren't feeling representative, or represented, is he the one that, uh, does he feel extra stress from that? So, I, it, it's a hug because I'm proud of him, but also, you know, you, you, you gotta maybe... Be, be ready, Nas. Be ready for any of the, the blowback that comes with having a, an office position of that sort. Blowback, you're so weird. <laughs> it's essentially basketball politics, you know, is it? My, 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 my hugs are going to Shaden Sharp because he only got to play five minutes of what should have been like his pro, air quotes, debut. Then he got hurt. Then I said, I was like, I, I, you know, I looked like a fool on the Discord. I'm like, I don't think it's a labrum tear. Like, maybe a shoulder strain, but there's like, no indication from what happened in the game yeah. or post treatment Barely contact. that it would have been a labrum tear, and then it was. And now uh, we'll talk about it, but I red flag, and I'm not not happy about it. But we'll talk about it more in a bit. Yeah, we'll get into that. Uh, all right, let's get to the hate mail then. My uh, my hate mail is like, it's, it's a pretty lighthearted hate mail, but it's going to ESPN. It's a two parter. Uh, the first part here, Alex Tam. Shout out to him. Hey. Summed it up pretty well on Twitter. Uh, Tam points out that Dame signs a two-year extension, says he's proud to play for one team, and he wants to stay in Portland. And the next morning, ESPN is running the headline on their shows, should Damian Lillard want out of Portland? So that's lame. That's just, it's, it, he, he can't keep saying the same thing any more than he has been. Uh, again, we will get into the contract extension and, and how we feel about that, but ESPN then got their comeuppance for it because they ran a quote from John Morant about Michael Jordan. Uh, John Morant saying MJ would be just another superstar in today's game and that he's not that, not nothing that would stand out. He's right in there with, uh, with John, Steph, and Giannis, and Embiid, and all these other guys. But they cited, ESPN cited Bleacher Report for the quote. Bleacher Report, of course, aggregates news. They're not actually... Uh, I, I don't know how, how you would define the, the actual terminology, Chris, as far as the difference between an aggregate an aggregate source like Bleacher Report and an actual like journalism mm -hmm. uh, journalism source. But that's not Bleacher Report. That's not what they do. 
The reason this is important is because the quote did not come from Bleacher Report. The quote came from Ballsack Sports. And if anyone out there has not followed yet, Ballsack Sports is not real. <laughs> this is it's a, it's a parody account. They put stuff out there like this. It was a fake quote that Bleacher Report picked up and then ESPN picked up and ESPN ran it on all four of their morning daily uh, basketball shows and didn't think about it at all. Did, didn't, didn't bother checking further in didn't try and get a follow-up, didn't try and talk to Jaw, and that's lame. So so two counts, uh, the, the stuff about trying to say Dame still wants to be traded, or should Dame want, still want to be traded even after he signs the extension, and then getting completely fooled by a parody account, shame on you, ESPN. That's all I got. That's my hate mail. Hey, to be fair, people would be, people would be surprised how many people who make graphics packages or edit video for uh espn or something like that don't watch sports and aren't <laughs> into sports it's a big they business just, they, yeah, that's just yeah. their job they're 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 good at graphics and they're good at editing and they're good at this but they don't watch sports so getting getting sacked makes it <laughs> makes more sense than you would than you would think um but yeah at the same time i i've never understood it myself because you should have uh levels like okay i mean because yes someone made that graphic but the producer was the should one should know something about said, the topics yeah put that on and the producer should be paying attention and then you would think one of and, you, and then you would think one of the like one of the announcers would say i got a no bullshit <laughs> anyway my time for hate mail my hate mail is going right back to where my love was and that's coverage of summer league okay and why you're gonna ask chris why is your hate mail going back to coverage of summer league when that was where your love is well, it's twofold. My hatred for the coverage of Summer League <laughs> is the fact that I am not in Vegas covering Summer League. So, so I love the fans' irrational takes and being a fan, and it's fun to see. What I hate is seeing all my former colleagues down in Las Vegas tweeting about uh. Uh, the games and their secret basketball games, because those are a thing. The media members, I was, I was never talented enough to be invited, but the media members who are, who are basketball junkies like the Chris Haynes and the, the oh yeah, they meet up at a, at a secret location that nobody knows except the people invited to play in the game and they play yeah. pickup games. Oh my God. Oh yeah. And there are legendary stories of five on five media games. With, oh yeah. It's, it's wonderful. We need but some footage. Who, who, who else would be in these games besides Chris Haynes? Cause, cause that's a name that everyone up here knows. Obviously like Chris Haynes was reporting for the Blazers close to Dame, still close to Dame, even at, at Yahoo. Now, who else do you think would be uh, a, a name you could throw out? Like what other, oh. what other media sports journalists would you say are, are, are basketball junkies on the court as well? Like maybe a Haberstro, uh, uh, who else would talk about? Haberstro has been to one. Uh, Tony Jones goes to him. Vincent Goodwill's been there. Okay. Uh, okay. Just a lot of the a lot of guys from the athletic were at the latest one. Um, like there's a story of Tony Tony James was talking uh, Jones was talking about it on his Twitter about, about like a couple years ago where he had one where he's like yeah let's meet up let's play, play here so a bunch of the media members showed up as a team and he came and he had he had recruited a bunch of the uh, video analysts and equipment guys from the Utah Jazz who were all like legit ballers <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 so that's but so so long story short that's where my hate goes my hate goes to me not being in Vegas for summer league because your hate it, is FOMO it's that I, I hate that the the fear of missing out syndrome, right? FOMOs. It's not FOMO. It's not fear of missing out. Oh, it's, uh, it's, yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's FIMO. 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 Tomato. Tomato. So we're we're talking about uh we're we're asking some questions about the press playing ball. 
let's instead talk about the press asking questions to ballers. Uh, that was not the best transition. But the Blazers last week held a press conference is what I'm trying to get to. They're introducing Jeremy Grant, introducing Gary Payton II, Penny Simons, Nurk. It, it, was, it was good overall. There was, there was a lot of things said. There was a lot of airy quotes, a lot of kind of generalisms or cliches. I would say the word of the day, Chris, versatility. You heard from Coach Phillips. Mm -hmm. You heard from Simons. You heard from, I think, a couple other players as well. Um, versatility and talking about how the roster has versatile players. Now they have guys that can play many roles. This is not a bad thing, obviously. Versatility is not a bad thing to have on the roster. But it just, I, I think it probably had to come up. I would put the over or under at like five in that one uh, half hour yeah. press conference. It's a big thing. We knew it was going to be a thing. It's something they've talked about last year that that's the, the type of guys that Cronin was looking for. And that's why everyone gets upset. Like, there's so many people who don't like the Grant pickup, who don't like GP, who tell it's a bad offseason. Like, no, these two guys are exactly what Cronin said he wanted. And exactly mm. what Billups said he wanted. Guys who are, are versatile. Guys who can play multiple positions. Guys who can guard multiple positions. Guys who don't have just one thing in their game that they're good at. Guys who can do a lot of things and give you some fluidity within your lineups. Like, that's... The, the, come on, they gave you the roadmap. He's just actually following it. And I think it's shocking yeah. people. Yeah, it, it's, it's the same, same thing we run into with Dame when we were talking about, uh, again, we'll get to the extension in a minute, but just the, the way people are so shocked. It's like, oh, he actually signed that? He's actually wanting to do that? And people are... Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, it's it's absurd. ESPN, shame on you. Uh, but yeah, back to the press conference. Versatility, like, like you said, it's they they've been saying they told us they were going to do it. Now they're showing us they're going to do it, and eventually we're probably going to hear, yeah, we told you we were going to be versatile, and that's what we, what you just saw. Other than the the word of the day, though, one of the other things that I saw a lot of fans reacting to, Penny Simons had an answer about not feeling like there's any more pressure on him, and I don't think this is actually that critical i don't like out of context it's easy to take that way um let me find the quote itself he said it's just a blessing to be in this organization for the long run i can't wait in terms of pressure last year was about as much pressure as it's gonna get now i can just go out there and play free and do whatever it takes to win with my teammates i can't wait for this year so again that's an innocent enough answer but i we did have some fans both in discord and on twitter talking about dude the pressure isn't off it, it's just begun if you want to be an all-star if you want this team to win the pressure should be uh mounting how do you feel about that because like where, where do you stand on the idea of like it's okay for him to feel relaxed that he signed this big contract right but maybe he should still you know has, there, there still needs to be a drive going forward no that is false like that is a a false narrative it's all this idea that someone has to have pressure pressure to me is these guys overthinking it and mm. that's when mistakes yeah, happen I don't want I don't want Dame to play with pressure. Like, th like there's a difference between playing with pressure and playing with a chip on your shoulder, right? That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Like like playing with a chip on that shoulder kind of gives me like uh, that kind of that bulldog mentality, if you will. Like I'm 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 a fighter. I'm gonna I'm gonna get going, and th that's what I like. But pressure? No, pressure makes players overthink the situation because they're too much. They're now too much worried about the pressure and not focused on the basketball. And I don't Completely like that. Agree. I don't like yeah. that. So Ant saying the pressure is off to me is a good thing because that means now you have a guy who's going to go out there. He's going to play loose. He's going to be free. He's not like there is. There was a lot of pressure last year because he wasn't the, the wins and losses didn't matter. But he knew that his performance 
literally was going to dictate not only this contract, but likely going to dictate dictate contracts down the road. Like this was his chance for the first time in his life to like, and yes, being on a, that rookie deal and making you know a, a, a million dollars is a big payday to us, but it's minimal to an NBA deal. It's not a lot of money in the NBA. This was his chance to go make big money. So there is pressure there, but pressure to actually get out on the court. He doesn't need that. Dame has said this before about pressure, right? When he's like that, like, no. Pressure, was, I think I think the quote, as I'm paraphrasing here, I hope I'm not ball sacking him and making I it know up. which one you're going for. But yeah, it was yeah. basically talking about pressure is, you know, the single mom who has to work yes, her butt yeah. off to, to get food on the table. And, you know, pressure is the the the, the sibling who's taking care of all his other, other siblings. Like the, the, the life pressure is one thing, but he's like, I've never felt pressure on the basketball court. I'm just going and playing ball. We want players that have a chip on their shoulder that go out there and can have a drive and a focus. That doesn't mean that you have pressure. It doesn't mean that you have, uh, it doesn't mean that you have fear of failure, maybe would be another way to define pressure. The idea, it's not about as much of focusing on the goal, but it's just the idea of focusing on like, oh, if I screw up, am I gonna get pulled off the court? Like that's pressure. Myers Leonard back in the day, when he was on the court and knowing if he misses a shot or is too slow on rotations or doesn't set a good screen, that he's gonna get yanked and his minutes get cut, that could be playing under pressure. That's not what you want for a player. As a player, I want my I want to be driven internally. I don't need external pressure put on me to to to, to strive. Desire is different than pressure. And because Ant isn't isn't says he doesn't have pressure, doesn't mean he doesn't have desire. Right. And that's that's the end of that for me. That's it. Right, uh, last thing I want to add, just speaking of external and internal forces, you over there wearing a Star Wars shirt, bro? I did that just for you, and I'm a little I upset it took this long for you. Oh, it's, it's halfway. It's like it, I can barely even see the – there we go. Yeah. I, it, it, it's I, like, I, I don't know how to it, make my shirt to scroll. <laughs> you need to just like tilt, tilt the whole camera down. I, I just, I, yeah. I, I've got I, – I barely had even this, the top part of the – I recognized the font on Star, and that's all I had there. Yeah, oh, I, did, look, I, did, I did it just for you. That's yeah, a beautiful did, shirt. Literally did it just for you. <laughs> See that that's that's how I know there's love. That's love, man. That's love. Yeah. One other thing I wanted to touch on from the press conference. Penny Simons, after being asked about the pressure, he was asked about Dame's influence, uh, both on and off the court. And I heard him mention something that just it wasn't some like, you know, some oh juicy little tidbit, but he said, I think this year I can reach a lot more people in the community. I can impact a lot of people's lives, a lot of youth's lives. Like, you know, it, it was just one of those things where he didn't have to say this, and it just seemed like kind of a nice uh, a, a, a nice um, the fact that his mind went there uh, that was his instant answer I, I thought it was just kind of it, it, it does speak to kind of the idea that he is being influenced by Dame who we have seen do a lot of things for the community that he didn't have to do that wasn't just some brand sponsorship or some big marketing campaign thing it was more of you know he's going to drive up to a park with a U-Haul full, full of shoes and give shoes away it, it's, I, I'm not saying that's the, that's you mean the most showing, impactful you thing you mean showing up to a park and giving away a bunch of shoes wasn't an Adidas marketing campaign Come on now. I, I, I'm, I'm not you mean the fact was... that he was in a U-Haul wasn't a U-Haul marketing campaign. They probably gave him 1995 <laughs> or whatever. But it wasn't an Adidas went. truck is what I'm saying. It's not like they showed up there with like <laughs> TV cameras on him to watch it. I, I'm, I'm not saying it didn't have impact for the brand. I'm not saying that it's like totally innocent. But it's still I, – I, I think it's different than just the kind of thing like, oh, doing – Doing the local coat drive, where it's like just plug in the player that's yeah. going to go and do it. It's, it's yeah. it seems no, a little I feel more you. Personal. I feel you. I'm not saying you're wrong. I just have to play devil's advocate to rally you up. A He's got to be sourpuss because <laughs> it's fun. Well, you know, if we started 45 minutes earlier, I wouldn't be sour. Jesus. <laughs> I, I got to bring the bully out somehow. Don't, don't poke the bear. Don't poke the bear. Anything else you want to grab from the press conference that that kind of grabbed your ear, grabbed your eye? 
Nothing grabbed my ear. Don't read into what Jeremy Grant did or didn't say, you babies. <laughs> the Jeremy Grant thing for me was just that he, like you said, he was only asked two questions, but it's just that he he had such short, dry, uh, cold answers. And I get it. Some people just aren't going to be media people. Some people are not going to give you that awesome little soundbite interview every time you do it, especially when he's coming to a new town. He's sitting next to new guys. Like uh, I told you, bro was exhausted. He just got yeah, back. He man, just got I back from it. Paris. He had to get, get back it. on a flight to get to Vegas as soon as that presser was over. Like, and some I'm just people saying, just like, say, me, like, and I, I can, I understand the reasoning and the excuses. I'm just saying, when part of your job is going to be to talk to the media, giving those answers, it's just not going to, it's not going to give the, the, the best result. Is all. Like, he's, I he, say, he should be aware that he could, you know, if it's, it's going to have an effect. People are going to talk about it. That's all. I, I think it's funny that you read into it and people worry about it. Portland, Portland, you guys have been, you guys have been fortunate enough for the last decade to have Dame and CJ who who always give thoughtful answers and give good interviews no matter the situation we've always had Dame who's been the face of the franchise who's forced to answer every question no matter how hard because he knows he's the face <laughs> but this is yeah. like but like come on like some of the guys that you've loved over the years it's not like they were the best interviews at all times I mean come on you're our boy right. Al, Al, Al Farouk Aminu yeah man like I hit a couple shots <laughs> or whatever the case I hit a couple uh, shots or whatever the case it. might be <laughs> Farouk like was almost um, because he just you know. he looked stoned. Like he just looked so like kind of like he was just off in his own world doing it. Uh, just again for context in this, the two questions Grant was asked: When did you start thinking about coming to Portland as a possibility? He teased the reporter for a long question setup, and then he said, "Definitely a possibility early on." Me and Dame got close at USA. Not sure what else to say there. The fit felt good or something like that. Like you can't just, say just, much. You don't want to tamper. Okay. Okay. You, you, you want okay, to you, you like indict yourself? Okay. Second one. Uh, the, the question was, Jeremy, you were on a team where you were the first option on offense. How are you feeling about going back to a team more like your role in Denver, where you're not going to be that first option? He said, my first, my first six years, I wasn't that guy. I'm excited to get some wins. Uh, there, there's maybe like a, a sentence or two in between, but to say I wasn't that guy and now I'm excited to get some wins, it just it, it was just such non-answer answers, man. Like it, I get it, but you know, just just... I'm looking forward to, to what he gives us in the future. I'm looking forward to seeing the growth of Jeremy Grant as a as a a, a, a post game presser answer question answer. <laughs> God, look, you know, if you're gonna add something to your skill set next offseason, man, it's about how to answer some post game pressers. You are something else. <laughs> All right, uh, final piece in the press conference, and we'll move on to the few other things we're gonna talk about today. Joe Cronin, at the very end of the presser, had a really nice soundbite that I just want to kind of put a bow on, or use to put a bow on this whole thing. Joe's talking about the roster. He said, we've been looking for a player more than just a certain height. We're looking for a certain type of person, a mentality. We're going to keep tinkering, but we also want to be patient. Let them grow together. By no means are we worried about a lack of size. We care about heart and who plays big. That last part especially... You know, bravo, Joe. N nice soundbite with a uh, we we care about heart and who plays big. That that is he about as lazy answer as yet. Yeah, that's He's what like, I'm oh, saying. I'm, I'm gonna give an I'm gonna give an answer that that, that Keith guy will <laughs> shout out to future friend of the show Joe Cronin who's gonna yeah. come on here obviously because he's listening. He he gets it. All right, moving from the press conference, uh, the next piece of business we got for the week. There was an article <laughs> in the New York Post on. Trailblazers owner Jody Allen. The article was, uh, I think, safe to say, Chris, a hit piece, more or less. Would you agree with that? It was, it was essentially. That is what you call a plant. 
That was a plant. Yes, exactly. It this was, was very direct by someone and uh, with certain yeah. intentions who wanted yeah. certain outcomes. And and yeah, <laughs> it, it it very much was a it, it shone lots of light on the the dark shadowy spots of what Jody Allen uh, has been been questioned to have uh, or accused of doing or uh, talked about sexual harassment suits that she's gone through with her security talked about smuggling uh bones and remains out of foreign countries talked about bribery of officials uh and there, there was one detail that really grabbed blazer fans that was in the new york post this writing that jody allen is not returning dame lillard's calls much less that not only is she not returning dame's calls but she's refusing to return his emails there were there were lines in here talking about how he is calling and the calls are eventually getting deferred to Burt Cole, the, the second command behind Jody. And obviously, these lines specifically very much meant to incite the fan base, get, get people here riled up. Uh, you're seeing lots of Twitter responses from like, well, I, for one, always answer Dame Lillard's calls. And, and you know, lots of just all the, all the hoity-toity and the rest. Dame comes out, I think, I don't know if it was the next day, but almost instantly, Dame comes out and says, yeah, that's not true. Uh, I, I've never had an issue having my calls returned or getting a hold of Jody if I want to talk to her. And then he also included that he doesn't email, which was a really fun detail. It's like, why, like, why would you, come on guys, who believes this? Why would you believe that she's not returning my emails? Who the, who the f emails anymore? <laughs> you really think LeBron, Dame, KD are asking for trades or giving input to GMs and all this via email? Via email? Via email. <laughs> night, the night before the draft, Damian Lillard's like, oh God. I forgot to tell Cronin that I really like Shaden Sharp. I got to send him an email. Logs into <laughs> Google at you know, damedollar at gmail.com. Boom, sends out an email to Cronin. Did you get my email about me about me really liking Shaden Sharp? Yep, I got it right before. We were going to pick uh, Dyson Daniels, but good thing you sent oh, me that boy. email, Dame. Good thing you sent me that email. Changed uh, everything. <laughs> yeah, point. Yeah, that was a hit piece through and through. Um, and... Not a well done one at that because it Swiss cheese. It showed its holes and it showed them early, right? Oh well, hey, let me let me ask you. Besides the email thing, besides the silly bit about not returning Dame's calls and and him writing emails in general, what other holes did you pick up on? Because there 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 were there was some of this that stuff like the the sexual harassment charges, uh, stuff like some of the animal bones remains stuff. Those are things that are backed up in other like like legal and and there's there's paperwork that is said that says some of that is true at the very least. What from that article though, besides the phone call and email stuff, like well, again, which I agree, that's that's obviously false. And again, Dame has refuted it. Anything else in there stand out to you as false, or can we just say, yeah, the rest of that? I mean, yeah, the the email and phone stuff is false, but the rest of that is still phones. The stuff about her that was thrown in that article as if it was uh, breaking news. To it's <laughs> not yeah, breaking news, years dude. Old, yeah, not breaking news, dude. To quote former GM bro, um, but. <laughs> Like those things, uh, I mean the 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 workplace harassment and the allegations against her there, like those are known. So yeah. that's that's nothing new. It's nothing new. Maybe, but hey, I mean, do you really think? Do you really think if Jody Allen isn't answering his phone calls and emails and not talking to him that he's gonna two days later he's gonna sign a contract to, for a two year yeah, extension that's gonna pay not. him sixty million dollars a year? <laughs> Well, I mean, again, there was there was some conversation for a minute of like, oh, why hasn't Dame signed yet? Is he trying to hold some leverage over the team before signing this extension was, to try and make sure he it, wants that what out. he wants gets done? You're wrong. We, it all makes sense. The reason the reason he hadn't signed the extension yet was because Jody hadn't responded to the email. It he was waiting lost, for the email back. It got yeah. lost in her inbox. 
Maybe she doesn't have Dame's new email address, and it was just going to spam. It went to spam. And that's why. Like he was like, "Hey, hey, Joe, what's up with the contract? Hey, let's Jode. get let's get this done." And she didn't even know. Like, and so she couldn't tell she couldn't tell Joe to get on it. She didn't know because she probably didn't even know he was up for a contract extension. She's like, "Oh, really? That's cool." And uh, yeah, she had to, like. The, so yeah, that that it all makes sense now. He would have had you, the contract earlier if if she would have answered the email on time. Do you think? Do you think he calls her Jode, or maybe does he just call her Ja, like J A? Hey, like, ja. hey, hey, Ja, what's up, Ja? You gonna you gonna hit me back, Ja? I'm waiting on this response. I'm trying to figure out if I should sign this uh, two million or 122 million dollar extension. All right, so yeah, the extension. We've kind of been talking about this already. 122 million for two extra years of Dame massive massive payday as it stands right now this is the largest uh contract or extension whatever kind of language you want to use uh in nba history really that is just a way for them to market it and kind of like promote it and advertise it will be not the largest contract or extension or whatever as soon as the next max player signs theirs when the cap goes up next season so it's, yes, for now, Dame's payday is is massive. It's a little more massive than anyone else's. Don't let that convince you that it's some outlandish or, or, or outlier. This is not absurd. It's not abnormal. Would you agree with that, Chris? Or, or is there anything here that, that worries you about the amount? Uh, the only thing that worries me about the amount is the fact that, I mean, he's going to be, what, 36 years 30, old yeah. or something like that, 37, and be getting $60 million a year. That's a lot. That's a lot of money. It's, um, yeah. But uh, at the same time, uh, people think of that in the context of right now, but that is now, what, six years removed or some shit like this? And he's, uh, the, the cap is protected to go up, 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 up. Yeah. So. Uh, you and I have you and I have talked about the cap on the on the show here about it through 2025, uh, the next several years out, and how much is jumping by then. Dame is locked in through 2026, 27, so he's in two seasons after you and I have even talked about the projections of the rising cap. So yeah. the, the the money is going. And up. I've what, looked what, into those cap numbers, Keith. That's a, dude. The the cap is pro- is projected within like the next decade to almost double. Whew, like insane. right, right, that's right crazy. now, right now it's a, uh, it's at 123. It's, it's projected to go up 10 mil next year to 133. And the numbers I was looking at have it within the next 10 years hitting 230. Oh, damn. So if but he's, again, if he's getting there. paid $60 million when your cap is close to 200, 230, like the 60 mil is not bad. If he's getting paid $60 million right now when your cap is 120, yeah, there's a problem. But it's right. not, I don't think it's going to be a problem at that point in time and and, that, and that's the design that's the point of it it's yeah. it, you, you get him in here long term but he also he gets paid enough that he's not going to be tempted to look anywhere else and, and this and that's where i wanted to go with this next when when dame was signing the extension the, the presser he gave for it there was a lot of language about loyalty a lot of language about him being a lifelong blazer at this point we don't need to get into all the quotes i'm sure they've been tossed around a, a, a bunch already he the, the one I want to do, just from his intro, when he first sat down uh, with the microphone, saying how thankful I am and how honored I am to be a part of this great organization. Me being here 10 years, giving blood, sweat, and tears to the city and this organization and having a different level of pride about it, I think my pride is wearing this uniform and doing something that a lot of people think is crazy. I get a lot of people on the outside telling me what I should do, telling me everything that goes against what I believe and what I stand on. Just to have people that believe in that along with me and believe in me being able to accomplish what I want to accomplish, it means a lot. Chris, does this does this cement any more 
the idea that he is not going anywhere to you. I obviously you and I have talked about how he, he we've already been pretty convinced, I believe, both of us, that he wasn't going anywhere. It has been kind of a false narrative that he was ever wanting out of the league. Maybe briefly he he was thinking about going elsewhere. And again, that could have been a leverage thing over Olshay. But does this tell you that yes, Dame is a blazer for life? I mean anything can change right but as sure yes yeah, it stands yeah. as it stands right now it sounds like it and i think i think people i think people are kind of interesting like yes he wants to win a ring obviously everyone wants to win a ring but i do think especially as you get older and this and that like those driving forces can change a little bit i think it's interesting because when you grow up or you listen to these young kids grow up what what's their dream keith What's their dream? The, the the young guys coming in? Yeah. To play in the NBA. To yeah, play in yeah. the NBA. Their dream isn't to win a ring in the NBA. Their dream is to play in the NBA. Very good point. And they've yeah. made it to the NBA. And at the end of the day, I think if Damian, like Damian Lillard, like if Damian Lillard's career ends and he doesn't win a ring, fans will talk about it forever. Uh, talking heads will talk about, oh, is he like, is he up there with the Patrick Ewings of the world? The greatest players to uh, in the league that never won a ring. How does that get it? How yeah. does it impact his legacy and this and that and blah, blah, blah? The thing is, it, it, it doesn't because Dame never wins a ring in Portland but hangs them up in the year, you know, 2029 or whatever, and he never wore a different jersey, and he was loyal to all the words he said and this and that. Because, again, we and you've had the debate of who's the greatest Blazer, and like uh, you always talk about the, the loyalty and, and what he does off the court, and, and those things matter to you more. And that stuff is going to hit his legacy, not winning a ring. So when it's all said and done, do you think Dame is upset if he doesn't win a ring, but he goes down as the greatest Blazer of all time, has a reputation off the court in Portland that cannot be tarnished no matter what, has done everything the right way, is probably still living in and giving back to Portland at that point, probably goes the Bill Shonley route and becomes an ambassador, a for, ambassador? For, for, totally. for, for, for the ages. Those things, I think, have got to the point where like a ring matters, but I think people undervalue how much those other things matter to Damian Lillard uh, as well. And so, yeah, exactly. I think he's in a good spot where I think if he retired tomorrow, I think he would be he would sleep just fine with his legacy. I, I'm pretty sure he's had a quote, like almost in exactly that way you just said, Chris. Like he I, maybe, I don't know, a year or so ago, somewhere around that time, maybe last summer, when a lot of these questions were coming up about, oh, should da- should Blazers move Dame? Should Dame want out of Portland? He had some quote about like if he if he was done, he's happy. He's got his family. His family is happy. He's got everything he wants. Sure, a ring will be fun. Sure, he wants to pursue a championship, but he wants to do it his way. And that way is is here, is not getting not moving to pursue it. And, and, I, and I can't blame him there. I, I can't blame no. him there because there's so many people who are bred that way because they're just loyal to, to, to what got him to the dance in the first place, right? And if that's mm, the way he yeah. wants to go, like, there's people who might fault him, like he said, but it's, it's not your career. It's not your career to choose. I'm still basking in the glow that he has signed this extension, and it very much to me means that the intention, at least, is to be a blazer for life. And hey, I'm, I'm here. For I, will, I mean, I'm going to be a lifer anywhere that wants to pay me sixty million dollars a year. Keith. <laughs> like, I'm not upset by that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I do think when it's all said and done, Damian Lillard needs to jump on board with all the other celebrities on that that master class. You, you've seen those those ads for master class. Oh, he needs to yeah. teach a master class. It needs to be a master class in in like brand marketing yeah because that guy says 
he when it comes to nba players he might be one of the absolute best at having a grasp at everything he says is said with a purpose everything he on brand in the uh, same yeah, direction yeah 100 yeah, it's like okay like lebron james right lebron james was trending because he said something about britney griner and said that like how uh if he were in that situation, he'd be questioning basically, you know, America's efforts to get him back. And then he'd really be questioning if he really wanted to come back to America. And everyone blasted. So close. Everyone blasted so him for that. Abroad. And my point that that's my point is <laughs> I don't think he necessarily meant it that way. No, it just no, wasn't it, it, the, 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 the two sentences weren't completely thought out before he said them. Yeah. Because where Damian yeah. Lillard, every word that comes out of that guy's mouth is said with a purpose like that guy is so so smart in that field the marketing the branding and knowing everything is important to his brand it's incredible you, you know what the word is I, I would use the word composed i would say like dame is just every everything like you said it, it's all premeditated everything that comes out of his mouth he's already thought through how he wants to phrase mm-hmm. it versus the idea like you're saying of lebron where obviously he knows marketing obviously he knows the impact that a few of his words can have and so he's thinking about what he's saying he just might not think all of it out ahead of time. I'd, like be, sometimes... I, I'd really consider if I want to come back to America or stay oh in this Russian God. prison. Yeah, that's not what you meant. Come on, think about it. I don't it, think Brittany Griner is having those thoughts, dude. Yeah, think about it, numbnuts. Like, and I, you know me, I defend LeBron all the time. I, I, yeah. I'm a LeBron fan in most parts, but that, eh, that one was not thought out. That was just no. spew into spew. A little, you know? a little bit of cringe. I'd rather right, I, get... I, I, plenty of problems in this country. I'd rather be here than in a Russian prison. I can tell you that. <laughs> no, dude, it's such a such a dumb thing to say. I can't believe we both missed that for our uh, love hugs and hate mail. Is LeBron with that line? Because that's just so dumb. Uh, anyway, you would have found a way to connect LeBron to Kyrie, and then we would have had to go down that line. So I'm glad. You <laughs> hey, came. look, first love hugs and hate mail in a while with no politics. Man, I don't think either of us had a political mention. We're so, so... close. Move, 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 move. <laughs> move on, move on. <laughs> Let's get back to Summer League. Uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but Portland is 2-1 and one for the, through the first three games. We have one game to go, and then the finals, I think? It's, it's only that short. There's, yeah, they're not only... doing the tournament tournament like they used to. Right. Just the regular and then the finals. Just four games in the finals. Game. Yep. Uh, and Blazers, you know, they, they've been looking pretty good overall. Had a nice comeback last night. Did, started a little slow and kind of honestly controlled most of the game uh, last night after Richard Jefferson left the court uh with that ridiculous officiating clown show whatever that was for the second quarter no big deal it was just you know it was just pick your pick your direction nba do you want the summer league to be important and serious or do you want it to be a circus either way well, do you just, think just the one. nba is not once shown that the summer league is important and serious they're trying to you when, when they make big fake diamond rings that imitate the championship rings they're trying to say hey fans look at this it's important. no that's cool. that's a cool thing for the players that's that's not oh a yeah and, and then so, so that's like, cool like, the players and then they dude, tell it's the like players, i told hey, it's it's, it's like i told you in the discord dude will ferrell played for 10 major league baseball teams in one day during <laughs> during spring training okay right yeah like yeah. If they okay want to get with the jokes, man, yeah, just uh. if they want to get the viewership, get in there. And it's not like it was a train wreck. And I also respect the hell out of it because, like Richard Jefferson said, he wanted to know the game from that perspective better when it comes to broadcasting. I get it. And it's not I, like I, they I... just grabbed him and put him in. He went through the referee training programs that they do there at Summer League, which is what I was telling you about on Discord as well when you guys were complaining about game one and there was just a ton of 
uh, 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 whistles, those officiating crews are rookie crews too. They, they usually pit. Yeah, they yeah. usually pit a, a veteran ref with two rookies coming through the system, or sometimes you get lucky and you get the full vet vet deal. But the thing is, they have different trainings throughout the year, and summer league is one of them. And they're taking all the prospective G League referees and putting them through the ringer at summer league to learn the, and that's why you do see crazy fouls that you haven't that you wouldn't see in regular nba games it's why you do see perhaps more fouls than normal and it's just because they're learning the process as well so taking richard jefferson who's a former player putting him through that learning process and then say hey let's get a quarter out there that's no harm no foul pun it, intended it, 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 yeah a problem for me and a positive for me on this was that the entire second quarter, almost the entire, like, let's say eight of the 10 minutes of the second quarter, they had split screen between one camera just on Richard Jefferson, just him standing on the sidelines, like just him in the ref uniform, standing on the sideline watching the play uh, on a close cam, and then the other two thirds of the screen being the play itself. So it's hard for fans that just want to watch the game to watch the game. Then all the commentary was just the commentators teasing Richard Jefferson, kind of laughing at him and how like how he looked like he wasn't quite ready or how he didn't make a call here there. All I'm saying is like, it was, it, was a, on, it was negative because as a fan, you couldn't just watch the game and the commentators were not talking about the game. It was a positive though. I get what you're saying in the sense that this did give some insight into this is a player who knows these rules. He's been around refs his entire life. He knows the game and he's sitting on the sideline and it's just going too fast by him for him to get the call. There were several times where they said, oh, he missed that one. That should have been his call, but the other ref had to do it instead. The point being is, yeah, it, this should give insight that even a dude who has been around the NBA his entire life, and like you said, has then had a week of talks and training with the refs, still was not able to do this at pace. This is just, this is more of an argument, if anything, Chris, it's just more of an argument for me saying that we need a fourth ref on the floor for NBA games or we need cameras to be used more. The refs themselves are not fast enough to keep up. I'm just saying, if you're upset about announcers, this and that, hit the mute button, bro. Yeah, I'm not I'm not even saying I'm upset about the announcers, but if uh, if one week we're going to say that the games matter to the players and give them these big diamond encrusted rings, then the next week we're going to say, oh, let's just have some gimmicks. Let's try some new things. Just pick one or the other. Anyway, if Dame would have went out there, if Dame would have went out there, you guys would have been like, oh, my God, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. You see Dame refereeing? He got like all them calls right, bro. Loyal to the soil. He ain't going Oh, yeah. Anywhere. Dame, Dame wouldn't miss a thing. He'd, he'd, he'd know every call. Let it doubt. <laughs> the big disappointment with Summer League so far has been that Blazer fans are looking forward to seeing Shaden Sharp. We got to see him for all of five minutes in the first game. He hit one good shot. It was a nice shot. It was a turnaround fadeaway jumper. And then pretty much a almost non-contact injury. It was really hard to tell where the injury even came from. But Shaden was pulled out of that game, has not played the subsequent games. And it has come out that it was a labral tear. Like we mentioned earlier in the podcast, we had hoped it wasn't going to be this, and it was exactly that. A labral tear, the same way that Nasir Little suffered a labral tear, Zach Collins suffered a labral tear, Myers Leonard suffered a labral tear, all in recent history with the Blazers, all, well, not Nasir Little less so, but for Myers Leonard and Zach Collins, the labral tear was a fairly serious uh, uh, injury that, that affected their playing time for a long while. It's... Yeah, when, and they both result. They both resulted in the moment in, in shoulder dislocations, right? Myers had his. So arm you're saying this one that's not that bad? This one would not be that? Uh, no, this one. This one. This one. 
all, I, I, and you know me, we've been on this a long time. I don't like to label people injury prone. I think there's a lot that can go into that, but this one is a red flag for me. Because when it happened, what I posted on the Discord oh, was okay. was where uh, one of our our listeners on Discord said that you know that everything the broadcast saying kind of sounds like a, a tear, and I'm like, with my experience, because I have a, a torn shoulder muscle as well that has resulted in multiple dislocations over the years. It's like in my experience, no contact, no ice on the bench. He's not in a brace, sitting comfortably on the bench. Like this sounds more like a shoulder strain to me than an actual tear. So when it comes out that it was a tear, even though it's a minor one, and there was no major contact for it to happen, keep in mind that you thought you brought up Myers Leonard. Myers Leonard's entire arm was held and then yanked out mm, of socket uh, yeah. during that rebound uh, after the free throw. Zach Collins was the 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 one that you see most often where the arm is above the head where where that shoulder joint is in a major compromised position and then it got hit and that's how i've dislocated mine multiple times um so that one made sense but then you see this i'm like five minutes couldn't even really tell like a play replay of it because there's no yeah. no play where there was major contact or you felt as if the shoulder was in a compromised position um again unless we're missing something which we very well could be but then again like like I said, in my experience, when that shit happens, like, yeah, it's not comfortable. You want to try to, you know, get your ice on it or whatnot to try to get down any swelling to just let the arm feel better. So all the things that would have said tear to me, I didn't see. So the fact that it is a tear, like, start like I, I, the red flag isn't all the way up, but it, but it's clipped on and it's halfway up the staff. It's ready to go full. You know what I mean? Because like, to have the tear without any of the stereotypical events that lead to it, it's that's that's not a good sign for me, at least. We had Alex from the Unbiased Blazers podcast on our Discord hey! asking about this. He asked, "Does Sharp getting injured five minutes into the first game worry you about him being a possible injury-prone player?" High school, he had a slew of injuries, so that even adds this too, Chris. As far as what you're saying, that if this isn't the first time, it's it's not a good sign. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's yeah. That's that's about it. And the shoulders are a tough one, man. Those are a hard one mm. to come a hard one to come back from in the long term. Uh, I mean, the good part is if it's a min, uh, uh, a minor tear, should be able to be fixed with any rest and rebuilding of the muscle. Like it's not something that he's gonna have to go out and get surgery on. A, a major tear that does result in that usually that full dislocation does have to get. Um, surgically repaired in most cases um but so this one i mean they said they'd reevaluate him in 10 to 14 days when it happens so, you, so you're good there but again if 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 something is prone to tear minor one time then it may be prone to tear majorly another and if, of all the injuries that i've sustained and of all the injuries you tend to see there is one injury that is never ever ever fully healed no matter what you do and that is the shoulder like <laughs> mm. yeah that, that again that just really does kind of lend some lend some gravitas to this uh i, I want to point out too when, when when he sustained the injury and they held him out the rest of that first game they then announced that he was going to be reevaluated in 10 to 14 days i think before they'd even officially said it was a labral tear so in, in in this is only important for me in in my mind because if they announced that he's going to be reevaluated and then later came out that it was the labral tear the reevaluation might have even been, you know, like not putting it as that serious yet. Like you're saying, my, the, the minor tear might not be surgical. 
to say it was a, the labral tear after, like, my, my concern would be the timeline you'd look at for these things in general seems to be probably six months. So we're saying you don't see Shade and Sharp back on uh, on an NBA basketball court till at the earliest mid-December? Nah, I don't think so. I think he's ready for, you think ready too far? for, camp, for camp. Oh, The only way he's going to be held out six months is if he has to get surgery on the thing. If it's surgical, yeah, okay. If it's surgery. If it's other than that, it's going to heal itself and you're going to be able to put yourself in a... You're going to be able to fix that through the weight room and the medical staff mm. there and Just then getting, letting, yeah, that, letting that muscle heal itself up a little bit. Um, yeah, the only way you're out six months is if he has to get surgery on it. And for a minor tear at this point, he shouldn't have to. And if he does have to get any surgery to tear it, it being a minor tear, it wouldn't be the full six-month recovery like you would for a full-blown shoulder. So okay. Okay. like if he, if he went in for surgery tomorrow, he should be ready to go by camp. The other side of this is we were never really expecting Sharp to get a lot of minutes this year anyway. It should really be kind of fringe and development minutes in the first place. So hopefully that makes it easier to not rush yeah. him back, to let this heal Yeah, that's that's the strong. unfortunate part of all this because the place he was guaranteed to get 30 minutes a game was supposed to be here at Summer League where you can see. <laughs> yeah. Man. But, hey, man, one, you know, it, it, we always talk about uh, uh, players who who pick up the ball and run with it, right, who take an opportunity uh, that's given to them, and I think one player that has is is Jabari Walker, right? I mean, because now right. that the, the 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 light was off of Shaden Sharp, the other pick in this draft that is turning into a summer league star. Blazer fans have gravitated to this guy. Now, like I said, he's played well, but it's it's <laughs> summer league. Like we talked about a few weeks ago, though, Caleb Swanigan had a very good summer league. That didn't pan out. Jared Bayless summer league you thought he was going to be you know the best guard in the nba within a few years and he had a good career but he never hit what people thought he was going to after you saw his summer league performance so it's summer league you got to take it with a grain of salt and you got to look at things like key like like some people have, have argued that keon uh has impressed them and they've he's had a better summer league than jabari to that i would disagree yeah, I, I wouldn't go that He's had the better summer league because he's throw, he's shown some real intangibles and in the things that the Blazers want from him. Um, and again, I'm going to go back to, to Dan Morang, who was there. Shout out to Dan. Hey! When you're in the gym, that's where you see a lot of things. That's where the summer league is where I fell in love with Zach Collins because the one thing he did, despite the injuries and despite the bad offensive performance that he can still do in the NBA, is the fact that he moved very, very well mm, for a big game. Yeah especially on defense and that's where he's going to make his his living if he continue if he can stay healthy in san antonio and that's what a lot of people are seeing out of jabari switching mm -hmm. well moving yep. well stay you know finding himself in the right spots on the court like i also thought uh, one that's impressed me quite a bit at least on the defensive side is greg brown greg brown has looked much different on the defensive side and again, you're guarding G leaguers, if that. But one thing that doesn't matter who you're guarding is knowing the situation, being in the right spot, being ready, being in the right well. spot. Yeah, and Greg yeah. Brown, you and I talked about last year. I just felt like he was lost a lot of the time. I didn't feel like that from him on the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, I still feel like he's lost if he's not right by the rim. Like he's well, still, and, he's and, still struggling. And we we talked last episode about how some of the guys like Greg Brown, Trent Watford, the guys you're seeing come back from last year who know the system from the Blazers already, 
those are the guys that you need to give a little room if they look lost because they're going to be playing yeah. against a bunch of dudes who don't yeah. know the system, who are trying to get their own, trying to get their own shine. So for for Greg Brown not to not to look polished on the offensive end, not super worried. But I'm with you. Seeing him being in the right spot, seeing him kind of ready to go on the defensive side is valuable. And to the same extent, Jabari Walker. You compared him to Caleb Swanigan earlier, and again, rest in peace, Biggie. We, we talked about him last week. What made him shine so much in summer league was the hustle. Yeah, and that to be fair, was, I'm not comparing him to Caleb Swanigan. No, 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 no. Yeah. Caleb Swanigan had that that similar arc. Right. Yeah, yeah. Not, not comparing the in player. summer league, and everyone freaked yeah. out. Not not comparing but. the player, just comparing the reaction to the to the oh, first yeah. takes, the first reaction to him in the summer league. But uh, my my what I'm trying to draw is the difference here. Swanigan, when he was in summer league, what he, what people reacted to was his motor, his, uh, his hustle, and just that he was just there going hundred percent drive the whole time. Jabari Walker, he's got motor and all that, but it's, it's not, you're not seeing him. What, what fans are reacting to is not him diving on the floor for a loose ball is that he knows where to be. He seems to like get to the right spots. He seems to not be out of position. And for a rookie coming to the league, especially 57th pick the second to last draft pick in the entire draft this year since since we were missing two picks because teams were stupid mm-hmm. um th- th- you don't expect to see that kind of basketball iq essentially from someone drafted in that spot yeah it's correct? it's good and you like you like to see that i mean and, and talking to pl- uh, fans uh in colorado who who watched him that's what i was told about him was that you're gonna get a guy who's probably not an nba star who's you know probably a rotational guy at best but he's going to take advantage of every minute you give him and he's going to give mm. you good good production out of it and i think that's what we're seeing from him and again the reason i say i like like his performance better than keon even though keon has had some really good plays good is keon has done the one thing that anybody in summer league if they're good at it is going to have good performances and that is he's excelled in isolation basketball mm. defense is almost non-existent in summer league um rotations he's had t- some good passes he's had yeah, some good ro- rotations are terrible uh the <laughs> yeah. one on one on one <laughs> offense is is hit and miss so if you are an isolation basketball player you're going to get yours and you're going mm. to look good doing it right. so that's the thing and, and yeah he's had a handful of good passes but he's also had a few boneheaded ones too mm-hmm. like right where you're like yep, oh good yep. pass good pass what was and that? then clear out of bounds yeah. yeah and so he's had some he's had some good flashes elsewhere but the 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 one place where he has shined the most has been the easiest spot for a player of his talent to shine, and that is isolation basketball. So I'm not taking away from him because I think he's had a good summer league, but because, again, he's a good ISO player and is shining in that, that's why I think Jabari's has been more impressive to me because I think he's showing a little bit of shine in, in multiple multiple facets and again uh, not just performing well like i said i I, when i watch summer league i really want to look at the intangibles jabari seems to be the 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 summer league steal so far the question that i've seen posted about him you kind of alluded to this already in, in in that we shouldn't automatically slot jabari walker into like rotation minutes just because he's looking good in summer league here but where do we put him on the pecking order would you put jabari walker ahead of other young Blazers forward Greg Brown who you also just mentioned uh d- does does he does he jump this guy or does Greg Brown's maybe familiarity with the system and kind of knowing his role already kind of keep him ahead in in the in the uh the, the lineup on the ladder as far as rotation goes I think that's a good question I think that's the race you're looking at right mm, because yeah. the only other logical one would be 
Watford, and he's he's not passing Watford yet. Yeah, Watford's um, looking good. He's making mistakes you, in the summer league, but he's good. Yeah, Sorry. and then but then you also have um, Winslow, who as it stands right now is probably your backup four, mm-hmm. and like Blazer fans saw some good things out of him, but he, yeah, Walker's not on Winslow's level yet either. So it would be Greg Brown. So at this point, you're talking about battling for fifth, you know, fifteenth, fourteenth man the, rotation yeah. minutes. So <laughs> yeah. what what Jabari has to win here, and very well could, is the fact that every first round pick is has to be a team deal, has to be for the big club. Second round picks have the option. You can sign them to a team deal or you can sign them to a two-way, which always helps in the cap because you send them in the G League most of the time. Mm. I think what you've seen from him, that he has earned the actual full guaranteed team deal. And I think that would benefit him in the long run because I think he will benefit more from not playing a single minute in the NBA this year. but practicing with Yusuf Nurkic and practicing with with Watford and practicing NBA with environment Grant as far as G League and versus going to the G League where Portland yeah. doesn't have its own affiliate where you're not playing under the Blazer system and again you're just playing the G League guys I would much rather I, I was in favor of the two-way contract going in what I've seen from him so far I think it would benefit him to be on the squad as much as possible to just be like I said he doesn't even have to play a single minute in the NBA this season, but he will benefit from being at those practices and learning from those guys. Just being here for again, it. he's shown mm-hmm. some really good intangibles that I don't think people knew he had, myself included. It is funny because again, a thing we've talked about before is Blazers' lack of a G League connection. This is a spot where it may come back to bite them a little bit when you have this player where theoretically it would be easier on the team and the cap and the and, and all all the kind of roster space stuff to have him on a two way contract. But yeah, like you're saying it. When we don't have G League control, putting him on a two-way contract means we don't have control of Jabari Walker, who could be an asset that uh, who could be a valuable asset. And a valuable yeah. asset you want to have control on his development. I've got two Discord questions and I've got a poll or, or some poll results that I want to go over with you. First from Discord, and again, listeners, if you are not on Discord yet, come and join the Discord. The link is in the episode description. It's the best place to send us questions to have all sorts of random ass conversations about basketball and many other things, video games, movies, music, shenanigans, all sorts of things going on there. Please come and join the discord again. Link is hey, in the Farva, description. Hey Farva, what's that place you like to eat that has all the crazy shit on the wall? Shenanigans? Oh, you, oh, you mean shenanigans? <laughs> so from discord, from our, from our discordians, we've got Rido hey! had two questions for us this week. Chris, first question is the Deandre Aiden deal going to set off in an avalanche of moves Got, uh, got to imagine the KD trade is waiting for the eight and ball to drop. Hopefully, Blazers can get in on the action. So, for, first part is, would you agree that that the is is the DeAndre Ayton deal uh, going to set off an avalanche, or is the KD deal going to set off an avalanche? And second part, do you think Blazers get involved? Ayton's happening first. Aiden's I happening don't. First, I so. don't know if there's a major avalanche to follow. And what do the Blazers have to offer? Like, where are they going to get involved? Can't trade Ant. Signing trades out the window, so can't trade yeah. him. Can't trade Grant because he was just recently acquired. Grant tr- can't trade Yusuf Nurkic because he was just signed. Can't trade Gary, Pen- uh, Gary Payton Jr. Cause, or Gary Payton II because uh, he was just signed. Okay. And again, it's just because there's, there's, there's a, essentially 
uh, th there's there's windows where after these deals get made you cannot move them immediately player that's traded yeah players that's traded can't be traded for 60 60 days players 60, that's, thank you. Six, players that signed well, it can't it's a weird one it's all weird rules can't be traded 160 yeah, yeah a player who was recently traded can't be traded again if their contracts are aggregated with other assets so, so technically they could it's it's dumb the cba is so confusing um <laughs> but the recently signed restriction so those guys can't be traded until like january that would include your rookie who was just signed and shade and sharp so you can't trade him your 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 assets that are now tradable at this point are um Damian Lillard is tradable, of like, of course, but you don't want to trade, but you don't want to do that, right? Um, so then you have Nasir Little, you have Keon Johnson, you have Trenton Watford, you have Justice Justice Winslow, you have Greg Brown. So you have those guys, but what are what is that going to net you if you quote get in on the action in an Aiton and Kevin Durant deals right now? It's not getting you anything. I, uh, I don't think it changes any of that. Is Josh Hart one of these available pieces, or is he one? Is he? Oh yes, jo jo no. Josh Hart's Josh Hart is available, but again, right, but what's, so yeah, yeah. What's Josh Hart it doesn't make a difference. Right yeah, it's, like, it's, it's, like we're talking Josh Hart and all of the young pieces not named Simons. It, it, yep. It's not. It's not value. It's, it's. There's not a lot for the Blazers to get involved in right now. Don't if even Blazers have the Milwaukee make... Bucks 2025 pick to trade anymore. <laughs> so right. if if Blazers are going to make another move, or uh, let me phrase it this way: when Blazers make their next move to upgrade this roster, it's not going to be the summer in the KD deal. Maybe maybe down the line once the season gets going and some of these uh, uh, restrictive windows have, have ended, some of our other players yeah. will be available. Trade deadline, trade deadline. Uh, yeah. is going to be a big one. Next offseason is going to be a big one. And there's um, no sign that the KD deal happens immediately anyway. They, that, that could happen down the line when we have pieces available. Or yeah, maybe it's just a shakeup that we miss out on and we got to deal with the next i mean i know cronin i know cronin has alluded to some more moves and, and they might be able to happen i'm just, i mean it's just it's not it's not deandre and or kevin Durant. it's not it's those just, moves yeah it's gonna be yeah i mean you you might be able to get in and if phoenix is trying to move stuff around i mean what cam johnson guys like that like are who are starters but you know fringe players because you know jay crowder was the starting forward for for them but cam johnson had some good games like uh, those type of guys yeah i think they could be available but again you're gonna you're gonna have to realize that you're probably gonna lose a uh a nasir little in that type of situation because he's a uh, tons of upside and, and Keon johnson is a very tradable asset as well so uh, let me rephrase can you get in on these deals yes you can sure. get in but okay, i mean okay. you're not you're not you're not getting the big the big fish is in this this deal. So you're a tertiary you're be, piece to make money work. Yeah. Yep. You're the bit player in a Kevin Durant deal that might land you a, a starting small forward out of it or something like that. But I'm I'd be okay with that. Uh, okay. So Rido, as a follow up, Rido brings up another question. And again, listeners, Rido is on our Discord asking these questions. If you want to join and ask, if you want to ask questions like Rido, you should join our Discord. Link in the episode description. So Rido's follow up question was Utah has suddenly said they may be open to trading Donovan Mitchell. Are Blazers interested, not in Donovan Mitchell, but are Blazers interested in Jared Vanderbilt or Rudy Gay? So, that, Chris, this would be a little more in kind of what you're talking about, where it's tertiary role players that we might be able to be more likely to afford with the pieces we have. And again, maybe it's not immediately. Some of these pieces could be down the road. Uh, there's no... There's nothing that says Donovan Mitchell gets traded immediately by Utah. It could be something that happens anytime before February at the deadline. But how do you feel about Jared Vanderbilt or Rudy Gay as targets for the Blazers? Um, why? 
<laughs> uh, wings, two-way. Rudy Gay would be a two-way three, wouldn't he? Is, he? is that sound about right for where he's playing? Rudy Gay is not a three. Rudy Gay is a power forward. He, back is in he the day, forward? he was a... Back in the day, it was a three, but he is, he is. Oh, oh, so you're just saying he's slowed down. He's a gajillion percent a power forward right now. Uh, Jared, <laughs> okay, yeah, that's fair. Jared Vanderbilt, also a power forward. Uh, six so nine, just not what we're looking power for. Forward. Um, it's not necessarily like, yeah, but that, but like Jared Vanderbilt too, like, do you want to give up Keon Johnson? Do you want to give up Nasir? Do you want to give up? even Trendon Watford or whatever have you for a guy who's on his fourth team in four years. Like, I mean, if, if we somehow managed to line everything third team else in four up, years, and this is like, me. if we managed to line everything else up and this was like the one, you know, depth piece that we need to fill in to, to really make a, 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 you know, what looks like a contending team, then okay, I get it. But even then you're not looking at Jared Vanderbilt or Rudy Gay. So your point is Jared that Vanderbilt, to, Jared Vanderbilt, I hate to cut you off. Jared Vanderbilt started 67 games last year. 67 for, games on a team that went to the play-in. No. no, he was playing for Minnesota. He was part of the Rudy oh, Gay trade. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. So keep in mind that he can't be traded for another 60 days as well. So if there's a oh, Donovan okay. Mitchell trade tomorrow, you're not getting in on it and getting Jared Vanderbilt. But Jared Vanderbilt started 67 games for a team that went into the play-in. That's good. So that's that's good. There's a starter there. He averaged 6.9 points. And 8.4 rebounds. Hey, I mean, at least he's not getting four rebounds a game. Good uh, on the defensive end, though. That's where <laughs> I think he's intriguing. He's good on the defensive end. The only thing is, is like, I think if I'm the Blazers, I would rather con- try to continue to develop Greg Brown and Watford for that position rather than go get Jared Vanderbilt, who would be another guy that you have to develop and rotational guy. And again, he played a lot of power forward. He can play small forward, but he played a lot of power forward. And again, Winslow, Watford, Brown, like it's, it, I just don't think it's worth getting rid of some young guys on your roster right now, just to get that. Yeah, that makes and then sense. Rudy Gay, Rudy Gay's. Yeah. Rudy Gay. Uh, I think his window to be in Portland was probably four or five years ago when he was a lot hotter of a commodity. Um, Rudy Gay, I would like Rudy Gay was rumored to be on the Blazers way back, you know, 2014, 2015, which means if, if Neil O'Shea were your GM right now, then Rudy Gay would be guaranteed to be a Blazer <laughs> at some point if, if Utah was going full, full rebuild because that's just how he worked. Um, how it rolls, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but to be fair to, to our, our, our question here, uh, Rido, um, Jared Vanderbilt, I think is intriguing. And I can, I definitely understand why he said that's a name he would, he would be, he would like. Um, so I don't think it'd be the end of the world, but I just, for me personally, if I were in charge, I, I would rather just focus on my young guys rather than make a lateral type right move right. for another, another guy that needs some more time to develop with us. It's not a move that swings the needle, is what you're saying. No, no, okay, that's enough Olshayisms. Uh, let's wrap up on a poll we posted, I believe, just yesterday. So we didn't get this too much time. But Chris, this was based off of last week's episode when you and I were talking about uh, the biggest question mark for this next upcoming season, and we were talking about Penny Simons versus Nurkic as far as who would be the biggest question mark. I, I feel like it's similar to X Factor, but do you, is there a difference in your mind when you hear uh, To me, mark? if you ask me my biggest question mark, it's what is the biggest unknown 
like Damian Lillard. The biggest unknown. Damian okay. Lillard is might be the biggest X factor, right? Because right. It, the X factor to me is like the one that can completely change the team. He the team will hinge on his success. Um and but he's not an unknown. You know what you're getting Josh Hart's not an unknown. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? So that that's kind of how I differentiate the two. I like but. it. No, that that's that's good. That defines it that defines it well for this question. So yeah, for, for the poll, the biggest question mark for next season listed the options as Yusuf Nurkic, Penny Simons, Keon Johnson, or Jabari the Goat. Now, I, I just gotta say, we had eleven percent uh, of this vote go to Jabari Walker. What was as the, the biggest Oh, as the biggest unknown? Biggest question mark. So oh, biggest so, question okay. mark for next season. Yusuf Nurkic, Penny Simons, Keon Johnson, or Jabari Walker? 11% said Jabari Walker. So again, I think people are really high on what they're seeing from Summer League here. 22% went to Penny Simons, and 66% of the vote went to Yusuf Nurkic being the biggest question mark for next season. That is not what I would have thought. You, do, you, do you consider Yusuf Nurkic being the biggest unknown, the biggest question mark next year? Actually, I would, yeah, I would not agree. I think he's the most known of that group. Yeah, we, we know I, what he's I, doing. I, th- I think you know exactly what you're going to get with Yusuf Nurkic. It's a roller coaster. You know you're going to have ups and downs, but you know that when he's up, you're going to be really good. And I think pre-air quote injury, uh, he didn't have the downs. He was playing a consistent form of basketball. And I think, well. I think he's rounded that corner within Chauncey's system. They know what they want from him. He's going to have Dame. I think Yusuf you. Yusuf Nurkic is the known. I think the next one on that list definitely should be Ant. I think the unknown there is, okay, we've seen how you played when you were the backup to Dame and CJ. And it was good, but it wasn't great. We saw how you played when the keys were in your hand, and it was great. So how, are, how do you play when you're slotted back in to that secondary role and honestly he's probably the third guy on that starting five because i think if you balance out that scoring load how you should i think jeremy grant should be very involved and continue to get 20 points per game because that means you're not just relying on your guards to take over and so what are you getting from ant that is an unknown how does he play alongside dame in a more in that starting rotation how does he play with those added minutes next to Yusuf Nurkic? How does he acclimate to having a very good power forward in Jeremy Grant? And again, how does he acclimate to having to give the keys back? Like he was, he, 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 he had a Ferrari, but it was a rental. It was a rental. And now he has to give the ca- the keys back to Dame. So how does he acclimate? That's the unknown. Um, then, I like last week's uh, analogy, talking about it being a, a Hertz rental van. Last he he was driving the van last season. Now he's got to give the keys back right. to him. He's not in the all the way back, but he's like still maybe middle bench right now. Yeah, so I think he might be the biggest unknown. Um, then I think Keon because Keon is so I go Ant Keon Jabari Nurk the levels of oh. the, the most unknown. And the reason Flipping I pull on its head. Yeah, the reason I think Keon is the is the next biggest unknown is because I think it's going to be unknown whether he's a piece of this team moving forward or not. I think Jabari being a draft pick and showing what he's shown in summer league and probably getting that likely like that three year deal or a four year deal where the first two are guaranteed last two are a team option, um, which is the smart way to go. Because if you lock him into the three year deal with the team option, the original contract was three years long, which means you get their bird rights. So that's the smart move. But Keon is Keon is your tradable, tradable asset here. 
him and whatever you know picks you you have that are tradable that second rounders and whatever first rounds you actually do have that can get you something because i think keon is like i said it's essentially like still having a first round pick you know what i mean it's like you're trading a late first rounder who's unknown but has a lot of talent so right. he's a big unknown to me because not unknown in what he can produce but unknown as to whether he's going to be on the team and then Jabari shouldn't be an unknown at all because I think it's known what his ceiling for the year is. And his ceiling for the year is a CJ Ellaby, Pat Connaughton, Anthony Simons rookie year. And that is you're playing minutes when the team's up or down by 30 in the fourth quarter. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really sad, though, to me to hear <laughs> to hear how excited fans have been about Jabari Walker in summer league. And then to hear his ceiling is a CJ Ellaby comparison. I feel like that is. <laughs> that no, 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 no. I did not compare. I did not say like it, it, uh, he was CJ Ellaby. I said no, the ceiling for the year was a CJ Ellaby rookie year where you just only played your spot minutes. And okay. That's, okay. Again, okay. That's all I said. Hey, aunt, <laughs> hey, aunt, aunt, same thing. Gary, Gary, Gary Trent. Same thing. I mean, these are high, higher picks who only got their spot minutes. Like it's, 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 it's just, don't, I'm just, don't hate me. Don't see. Don't, all don't, this, no one's, no one's shooting the messenger ta- here. All this talking, you're dumbass out here trying to knock me off the pedestal. I got to get back <laughs> in my squat position, <laughs> dig my heels in and not get knocked off. Oh yeah. We, 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 we're working on our focus. We're working on our, <laughs> on maintaining. Uh, no, I, I, I get it. And, and yeah, I, I, I like it though. I, I'm not sure why, maybe it's just that matter of wording the question, people thinking the biggest question mark is similar to, uh, uh, you know, some sort of idea of like, if they, if they're doing great, then we're going to vault us up higher. And if they're doing poorly, we're not going to make the play. Yeah. Cause if the it, question it, was X factor, then my answer is use of Nurkic and it's Nurkic. not questionable. Yeah. Yeah. Because totally, the yeah. team outside of Dame the team's success largely hinges on what version of Yusuf Nurkic they get. If they get Bosnia yeah, and Beast, so. they're a very good team. If they get the, you know, bad version of Nurkic, they are not a good team. <laughs> so, and it doesn't mean that Nurkic is the second best player or most important player kind of thing. But it, as far as, like you said, this roster is going to be about fit. We, we, by adding Jeremy Grant, by, by adding Gary Payton, we are working on defense. We're working on getting more scoring from different positions outside of being guards. So it's not taken away from Simons. It's not taken away from uh, the other players out there. But yeah, if, if Nurkic falls off, if, if Nurkic can't be Bosnia and Beast for us, that's going to be a big impact on, on our expectation. Yep, absolutely. That is pretty much it for us this week. Uh, I am noticing actually completely unrelated to this podcast over in our Discord. We've got some uh, conversation from JJ Switzer hey! and Shazum hey! uh, about... Rudy Gay feeling like such a Blazers addition. So <laughs> right after we're discussing that, they are they're having similar conversations themselves. And yeah, just just goes to show again, we have great dialogue on our Discord. Uh, lots of fun people in there. Lots of fun discussions. Lots of different takes. Lots of fans coming from very idealistic, optimistic fan sides. And we have other fans coming from more of the analytic numbers. Uh, let's say maybe even virgin or pessimistic. We've got... Uh, beyond the usual, you know, BMAC, hey, Chris, myself, hey, Tara, hey, Shazoom, hey, who I mentioned today, Rido, hey, Citizen Questions, JJ hey, Switzer. We even got Dimad hey, coming in and join us. We've got a lot of the Blazers Twitter legends all are coming hey, into the Discord. So why aren't you there yet, listener? Come and join the Discord. Link is in the episode description. With that, Chris, in closing, your honorable listeners, that's it. That's our show. 
Thank you, Chris Burkhardt, as always, you wonderful, wonderful man. Thank you, Odar, for the fat beats, and thank you, listeners, for a great listening. We hope you enjoy your Blazers, your Rip City basketball, and our latest episode. Thank you again, and please come back next week for the next edition of The Trailcasters. 